Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Hey guys, good morning. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church. I want to say thank you first and foremost for joining me online today as we uh, continue our series titled Adjusting Our Focus. It's a series that is taking us through uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Before we get started with today's uh, sermon, I'd like to just take a moment to remind you uh, just a little bit of where Paul is, where the Ephesians are, and why Paul is writing. So if you listen to my previous sermon that just kind of gives an overview of the uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you know that, that Paul's in prison. He's in Rome, he's in prison, and he's awaiting trial before Caesar. And he's thinking about these churches, these congregations that he started on his missionary journeys, and he's writing to remind them of things. And one of those congregations, one of those churches is, is in and around Ephesus. I, I imagine that, that it was a collection of churches and this letter was passed around uh, from one home church to another. Uh, you have to remember that uh, during this time, Christians were persecuted. They didn't own property like we do today. They didn't have a, a church building where they gathered every week. They, they gathered in, in homes. And so the congregations, I imagine, were, were fairly small gatherings. And, and so this letter would have been passed around uh, from one home church to another. Now, Paul's in prison and he's facing uh, some very difficult situations. I, uh, he's probably chained to uh, a Roman soldier uh, or to a wall uh, the whole, every moment of the day, you know. And so uh, he could, it, it, like most of us would, uh, naturally tend to look at his situation and become very discouraged. You know, if, if looking in the physical realm um, or through, through like a physical focus, he would have been very discouraged about his situation. He wasn't out there fulfilling God's call in his life. He wasn't planning churches. He wasn't leading people to Christ. He wasn't doing any of the things that that he really, really wanted to do. Um, and, and so from a physical perspective, he, he could have been down and out about his situation. But as he's sitting there, uh, God begins to remind him of the spiritual reality uh, of his situation and remind him that God is is still good. God still loves him. God is still with him. And God is fulfilling a greater uh, purpose and rolling out a plan for Paul's life, one that would uh, change the, the course of history. And so Paul took courage from this and he adjusted his focus. Rather than just look at things in the physical, he began to look at things from a spiritual point of view, uh, from the from an earthly focus to a heavenly focus. And so uh, that changed everything. That gave him the strength to get through and overcome that that time of, of crisis, that time of persecution. Well, the Ephesians, they're in a uh, equally difficult situation. Uh, Ephesus was the, the center of a cult, a cult that worshiped the goddess uh, Artemis, or I believe she was also called Diana. And uh, Ephesus became, was a very rich city. As a result of that, uh, the temple of Artemis was the world's largest bank at the time due to the uh, just the finances that came in and, and were associated with the, that particular uh, form of idolatry. 
And, and so uh, as people turn from uh, this cult and turn to Christ, uh, the, the cult took a huge financial hit. And so the silversmiths and, and people associated with this cult, they, they got so upset about it that they rioted. You can read about Paul's time in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 20. And, and so this uh, Christianity caused quite a stir uh, in the city. And I'm sure that, that Christians came under some persecution. And they were probably also facing uh, some, some pretty strong temptation as, as people uh, turned from the cult and, and became believers and followers of Christ. Um, they still lived in houses with, with parents or children or grandparents or friends who, who still participated in the cult and probably called them back to its, its uh, lifestyle, which in, was uh, involved uh, in erotic worship and, and various uh, forms of sexual immorality. And so I'm sure they, they felt strong temptation in addition to facing uh, really intense persecution. So uh, this is where Paul and the Ephesians are. And so Paul is writing to the Ephesians, knowing where they're at, and he is asking them to adjust their focus, to look at this crisis that they're experiencing, to look at the persecution and the, and the temptation that they're experiencing uh, from, from more than a physical perspective, to look at it from a, a spiritual perspective, to adjust their focus, okay? It's, it's kind of like when we're reading a book or we're looking at something on our phone or anything close up. You know, we get so, so focused on what's right in front of us, we, th- th- we tend to ignore or become generally unaware of what is happening in the background, in our peripheral vision. And Paul is saying, listen, if you only focus on what is right in front of you, what is happening in your crisis, what is happening in this persecution or this this temptation, if you only focus on this, you're not going to have the strength to get through. You're not going to have the wisdom or the insight or the character to overcome. And, and, and in order to overcome, in order to get through this, you need to adjust your focus from the physical, from what's right in front of you, and look into the background, into what is happening in the spiritual realm, what is happening behind the scenes uh, that is actually influencing what you're experiencing. And that is where the real battle lies, Um, whether it be with spiritual enemies, whether it be uh, uh, conflict in relationships, or maybe even a conflict within yourself, uh, uh, some sort of character development that the Lord wants to work in your life. He's saying, this is where you need to focus. Don't focus on what's right in front of you in the physical. Look into the spiritual, look into the relational realm and, and put your energy and, and uh, attention there. And so this is Paul's greater purpose for writing. <clears throat> and as he moves through his letter, he, he turns their focus from uh, one people one person or people group uh, to the next. And he begins, his, his first uh, uh, person in focus, if you will, is God. You know, when we are in a crisis, when we're in uh, a time of temptation or facing intense persecution, the first place that we need to look, the first thing, as far as our focus is concerned, that we need to adjust is Uh, how we think and relate to God. Because in a time of crisis, in a time of of, uh, persecution or temptation, we naturally tend to forget who God really is and that he has a plan and a a purpose 
uh, for our lives. And, and so uh, naturally, when we get in those those very difficult times, we we tend to think ill of God. We tend to think that, well, God doesn't care, other, or he doesn't love me, or he's actually, he's being mean to me, or something of that nature. You know, God is uninvolved. He, if he knew what was really happening to me, then then he, this he would step in, he would intervene. This would not be happening if God were aware, you know. And, and furthermore, how could this even fit in to God's plan for my life or God's purpose? What purpose does this pain, this persecution, this this temptation fulfill in my life? You know, we naturally, we tend to think that way and we question God's character and we question his ability to sovereignly control and work in the details of our lives. I'm sure a lot of people are there right now as, as we as a, uh, uh, as a, a county, as a state, as a nation are facing this, this, uh, coronavirus pandemic, pandemic, and people are wondering why, why, why would this occur? Why would God let this happen? Why are all these people off work? Why, why are these people sick or dying? You know, how is this fulfilling a greater purpose? You know, and if God really cared, he would do something about this, you know, and, and so there's a lot of people. Uh, asking those types of questions right now, and they're searching for answers. And in Paul, his letter to the Ephesians, I believe, is is just incredibly relevant for us at this time, especially considering what we're facing with this pandemic. But let's move beyond that. And perhaps you are listening today, or some of us are listening today, and you're facing persecution, or you're facing conflict in your relationship, uh, in your marriage, or or with your children or parents, or maybe at work, or at some place in the community. You're facing uh, some issues there. And you're wondering, God, where are you? And you're really questioning uh, God's involvement in the situation and what purpose this would even fulfill. Okay. And and so I want to, through Ephesians chapter one today, I want to help you adjust your focus and I want to correct uh, your thinking. I want to correct your the words you have about God. I want to help you understand some things about God's plans uh, and encourage you uh, to trust in him and to begin to pray that he begins giving you spiritual wisdom, some insight into what is really going on in your situation so that you can can move forward in a way that pleases him and continues to benefit other people. So that's where we're going today. Let's take a few minutes uh, and look at Ephesians chapter one. Let's start in verse three. So if you have a Bible, please open up your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter one, and let's start in verse three, and we're going to read through uh, the end of verse eight. I'm reading in the New Living Translation if you want to follow along. Uh, Paul writes, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Well, you know, the first thing we learn about God 
or that we are reminded of about God in a time of crisis or persecution or, or temptation is that God is very kind and he has blessed us immensely. Paul wants us to remember that, right? He's writing to the Ephesians who are in a time of trial. He himself was in a time of trial and he is reminding himself, he's reminding the Ephesians, and he's reminding us as readers of this letter that God is very kind. Let's look at some of these things. Look, first of all, he says, God has blessed us immensely. Verse 3 says uh, that, and verse 4 says God loves us. God sees us as holy and without fault because of our faith in Jesus, even though we know that we are not always holy. We know that we are we we are uh, we we still sin occasionally. We st- or even maybe some of us are struggling with habitual sin and, and we just we're, that's where we're at. And yet because of our faith in Christ, God looks at us and says, you are holy. You are blameless in my sight. That's an awesome, awesome uh, thing. Awesome part of, our, of, of faith in Jesus. Look at verse 5. God adopted us into his family. He went to great lengths to do that. He sent his only son to die on the cross and take the punishment for our sin and, and rose him again from the dead right? Also that we could be part of his family, that we could be his sons and his daughters. God did all this because he wanted to, verse 5 says, and not because he had to or was forced to. It gave him great pleasure, Paul says. Verse 6 says, God poured out his grace on us. God is his divine influences is so richly poured out on us. God wants to help us. God wants to change us. God wants to work in our lives. And he, he does that through his kindness and his grace, right? God, I, I look here at least two times, maybe three times, I see uh, Paul saying that, that God is kind, right? That's the, that tells me that one of God's defining defining characteristics is kindness. He's just so kind, you know, and, and think about the way we are and how we have treated him, especially when, before we were saved, you know, God loved us and was kind to us when we were not kind nor loving to him. And so Paul wants us to remember this, right? He wants us to remember this when we are in a time of crisis or persecution or temptation. And so the first point of application for us is that, listen, we need to change our thoughts about God. Change our thoughts about God. If you're uh, like a lot of people who think God is judgmental, harsh, distant, and generally uninterested in your life, then I want to challenge you today to change your thoughts about God. Read through this list again and, and, and realize who God really is. When you adjust your focus from what's just going on right now in the physical and you look into the spiritual realm like Paul did, you will see that God is very kind and that he has poured out his blessings. He's poured out his grace upon your life and he's gone to great lengths to make you a part of his family. He loves you. And even though you might not fully understand what or why everything is happening the way it is, the, the, the character of God is unchanging despite the change in your circumstances. And so I want to encourage you with that today to change your thoughts about God, adjust your thoughts about God. The second point of application is I want you to consider and, and uh, uh, to consider and change how you talk to God. 
and talk about God. So think about it for just a moment. You know, uh, Paul says, all praise to God. He starts out, I mean, he, the man is sitting in a prison and he says, all praise to God. Despite his trial, despite his less than perfect circumstances, despite the, the, the fact that he wasn't doing everything he, he wanted to do and felt called to do, he still said all praise and blessings to God. And I, I got to ask you today to consider your to consider your words about God. How are you talking about God lately amidst this this corona crisis, amidst the, the persecution or the temptation you're facing? Are you still praising God? Are you still blessing God despite the change that you are experiencing in your circumstances, despite having be, basically being uh, uh, locked down and, and isolated in your home and, and not able to go to work? Or maybe even you, you've lost uh, out financially because you can't go to work. You know, maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're struggling as a result of, of this, this pandemic or, or some other crisis or persecution or conflict that you're facing right now. Are you still praising God despite the change in your circumstances? I can tell you right now, until you catch a glimpse of God through uh, 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 the spiritual eyes, through uh, and in the spiritual realm, your talk about God is going to tend to be negative, right? If you're only looking in the physical realm at what you're presently facing, what's right in front of you right now, your talk will tend to be negative. And I think I know, in fact, that later on you will regret saying those things. You will regret criticizing or complaining against God. And I want to challenge you right now to adjust how you talk about God, if that's the case, and to begin to praise Him, just praise Him despite being locked down in your house, despite being in some very difficult circumstances, despite the conflict or temptation you're facing, to praise Him with your whole heart to lift your hands as you walk around and lift your voice as you walk around in your bedroom or wherever you pray, to lift up praises to Him because I know that as you praise God, you will see things change. I think the very first thing that will change is your perspective about your situation. And that leads us to the second the second point or the second part uh, of Paul's uh, opening chapter here. Look at verses 9 uh, through, through 14 with me. Paul says in verse 9, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring together everything under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. You know, the second thing that, that happens when we get in a crisis, like Paul was in a crisis, the Ephesians were in a crisis, the second thing that occurs is we begin to question 
how this fits, how what we're experiencing fits into God's plan, how the, the pain, the persecution, or this temptation fulfills a greater purpose in our lives. You know, like we look at it and we're just dumbfounded sometimes. We're like, what in the world is God doing? You know, we start questioning God's sovereignty. We start questioning whether or not he's involved and he really knows what's going on. So that somehow this is taking him by surprise. Right, that, that somehow uh, uh, he is he is not in control, and that this is overcome. Even God, the great God, the one true God, and and so Paul is writing. He's writing and reminding himself. He's reminding the Ephesians, and he's reminding us as readers of this letter that God is still sovereign, despite what's going on in our lives. God is still in control, and he has a plan, he has a purpose, and he's working out everything according to that plan and according to fulfill his purpose, his purpose uh, uh, in, in those details. Now, a first thing I want you to understand in regards to God's plan and God's purpose is that, that everything begins and ends with Christ. If you skim back through these verses, you'll notice that Christ is mentioned several times. The, the centrality of Christ in God's plan and purpose cannot be overstated. And what that means for you and I is that, listen, we're not the center of the universe. We're not, everything is not about us. Yes, God loves us. God is kind to us. He has showered his grace and, and mercy and he's, he's done great things to make us a part of his family. But we are not uh, the center of the universe, contrary to what we we might believe, right? And in Christ uh, is the uh, is the central theme of God's plan and purpose, and so He's everything God does is is centered around Christ. And as far as it concerns you and I, God is using these uh, these circumstances, whatever trial or crisis or persecution or temptation we're facing, God is using that to make us more like Christ. There's some part of God's plan or purpose that we are fulfilling, and these circumstances are helping us fulfill it. And until we adjust our focus and look from the physical, look from what's right in front of us right now and into the spiritual, we are not going to see it. We're going to miss it. Okay. And so if we're going to like align ourselves, align our energy, align our, our, our focus with what God is focused on, then we need to look from the physical and into the spiritual. And I think that's the, that's the first takeaway. We need to align our plans, our purposes with God's, right? Some of us got plans, we've got purposes, we've got things out there, things we're trying to do and things we're trying to get done that do not align with what God is trying to do. And more often than not, when that's the case, we're going to end up getting real frustrated, right? We're going to get real frustrated. We're going to end up wasting a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of our resources because we're, we're trying to, 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 uh, uh, to go in a direction <clears throat> that God doesn't necessarily want us to go. We're trying to get something done that God doesn't necessarily want to get done, right? And so until we get in prayer, until we get the heart of God about the matter, we are going to end up wasting a lot of 
a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources. And so the first thing I want to counsel you on today, as you adjust your focus from the physical and into the spiritual, I want to challenge you to align your purposes, your plans with God's right? To get going in the same direction that he is going. The second thing I want uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, challenge you with uh, as a point of application is to accept the fact that you won't always see or understand God's plans. Paul says that God's plan is mysterious. Sometimes the things that God does, we just don't get it. You won't get it. You won't understand why God did uh, what he did in your life, right? We, we can look at even this, you could look at this coronavirus thing and go, why in the world is this all happening? You know, all this, the, whatever conflict or temptation you're facing, you could go, what, what, what is going on here? I don't get this. You know what? The fact that you don't get it doesn't mean that God isn't in control, right? That's when when we look at that. I or when I look at that, I think about that. I think about my children. Sometimes I have some young children. You know, they don't always get the reason why. I do the things I do or the reason why I ask them to do the things that that I ask them to do, right? And the the last thing I want them to do is to stand there and argue with me or or tell me I don't know what I'm doing, right? Because everything I'm doing is for their benefit, even if they don't get it, right? The best thing that my children can do sometimes is just, okay, dad, I'll I'll go and I'll I'll do that, right? Because in their five-year-old mind, they can't comprehend the things that I can comprehend as a mature adult. And the same thing is true for you. God is standing there and he's saying, listen, I want you to do this. I want you to go there. I have this plan, this purpose for your life. And just because you don't get it doesn't mean I'm in control. Doesn't mean I'm not working for your benefit. Remember to what Paul said earlier about God and his character. He loves you. He is kind. He has gone to great lengths to make you a part of his family. And now he's fulfilling a plan and he's fulfilling a purpose. And just because you don't get what's going on in your physical circumstances doesn't mean he is not in control. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you or is not working out some greater purpose for your life or for uh, this world in general. Okay, And so I want to uh, challenge you today and counsel you to accept the fact that you won't always see or understand God's plans. Sometimes they're just mysterious. And and you'll understand maybe when you get to heaven or just later on in life, you'll look back and you go, wow, wow, I'm I'm glad I obeyed. I'm glad I did what God said to do at that time. Okay, I hope that makes sense. The third point of application for you is this. Trust that God has chosen you and that he is working out everything according to his plan. Trust God, right? See, there's a lot of things you cannot control. You cannot control this coronavirus pandemic. You cannot make the government offices open back up. You can't make your business be called a, an essential business, right? You, you can't control the, the spread of this thing. Right? You can't control the conflict that you're experiencing uh, in, in your life or in your critical relationships. You can't 
uh, make those people stop tempting you or stop trying to call you into these 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 uh, destructive behaviors. There's a lot of things in your life you can't control, right? But what you can control is you. You can control your choices, right? In the first choice that you can make in a crisis or in a in a dif- difficult set of circumstances is to trust God, to believe in him, to uh, bring praise to him. You can choose those things. And as you do, Paul is reminding himself, Paul is reminding the Ephesians, and he's reminding you today that as you do that, you will sense the Holy Spirit's presence in your life like never before. And the fact that the Holy Spirit's presence is in your life is a sign that God is with you. Look at what Paul says in verse 14. He says that the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people, right? He did this so that we would bring praise and glorify Him. I think I would add to that, if I might, to praise and glorify Him despite whatever circumstances we are currently in, right? The Holy Spirit's presence in your life is a sign that God has sealed you, He has called you His own, and He is with you. And quite frankly, if He has gone to such great lengths to to make you a part of his family and to help you come to know him and he's been walking with you all this time. I I I, I have to believe that God did not bring you this far to just let you fail, to just let you go, to just let you struggle and, and, and fall off to the wayside, to let you die in the midst of a crisis or in the midst of a conflict, or or to just let you give in to temptation. I can't imagine that God would go through all that to, to let that occur, right? God has a great plan and a great purpose for your life. And the things that you can't control, you control them. You make the choice to trust Him, to believe that He is with you, and you bring praise to Him. You choose to bring praise to Him despite whatever circumstances you are facing. That's my challenge for you today. And I accept that challenge personally. What I say to you, I say also to myself. And so I accept that challenge. You see, if we read into this last part of verse, uh, uh, of chapter one, let's do that right now. And then I want to make one last, one last thought before we close our time today. Picking up again in verse 15, Paul says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Again, we see the centrality of Christ in God's purpose, in God's plan, and in in our faith, 
right? In our belief, in our relationship with God, Christ is central. Now, here's the very last thing that I want to remind you and I of. Something that Paul was reminding himself. He's sitting in prison, chained to the wall, chained to a guard. He's not out fulfilling the things that God want, that he felt like God wanted him to do, right? The Ephesians, they're facing persecution. They're facing strong temptation. They're wondering what in the world is going on. They're so focused on their physical realm that they can't see into the spiritual realm. And Paul is Paul is saying to himself, and he's saying to the Ephesians, he's saying to us today, hey, listen, when we face a crisis or persecution or temptation, the very best thing that we can do is pray. And we can pray for a couple things. We can first pray for spiritual wisdom. Pray that God gives us insight, that he would open up the eyes of our hearts. Let us see into the spiritual realm to to see him as he really is, to see our situation as it really is, to see that he has a plan and he has a purpose, right? The second thing we can pray for is to pray for, uh, in verse 19, he says that we can understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, that, listen, God has a power available to us, a strength available to us that we can find nowhere else. You know, there's a lot of people whose hearts are so filled with fear that they don't even know how to function right now. In the midst of this crisis, in the midst of being laid off from work, in the midst of of, of people getting sick and dying and they're wearing masks and they're afraid to go to the store, they're afraid to, to just carry on life as normal, right? They're so gripped with fear because they have nothing inside of them that gives them power, nothing inside of them as unbelievers that gives them the strength to get through a crisis, to give them the strength to get through a conflict in their marriage or to get through a conflict with their family, with their parents or children, to get through a conflict that they're having at work. They have no strength inside of them to overcome strong temptation when it occurs, right? They don't have it like you and I have it. And Paul is saying, guys, I pray that you will understand the power, the greatness of God's power in you who believe in Christ. There is a resource, a a spiritual strengthening that will occur as you pray, as you come to God and ask him, God, give me insight. God, give me power. Give me what I need to get through this time. And so today, I pray that for you. I pray that for this uh, this country. I pray that over the congregations in our town and in our city. And I pray that over the people of our congregation. And so would you close our time together today just with that moment of prayer. And let's believe together that God will strengthen us and, and give us the insight that we need to get through. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for the people of Cornerstone. I thank you for the people of Parker. I thank you uh, for the great state of Colorado and for this wonderful, uh, great country that you've given us to live in. And we we know we're facing crisis. We know we're facing some conflict right now. And, and maybe, so, and I know some of us are facing strong temptations and Lord, I just pray right now, wherever we are, whatever we're facing in the physical, I pray that you would give us insight, insight into the spiritual realm, that we would see you for who you are, that we would be reminded of of your character and your kindness, and that, God, that you 
have a great plan, a plan and a purpose uh, for our lives, and, and that you are working everything out according to that plan. Help us, Lord, to to uh, just sense the Holy Spirit's presence in this time and to be reminded that we are yours and that the details of our lives, the very fabric of our lives is, is held in your hands, God. You are well aware of where we're at and what we're facing in the physical. I pray that you would give us that spiritual insight. Open the eyes of our hearts today to see into the spiritual realm, to see what is going on and, and to, to trust in you, to believe in you, Lord, and to praise you despite what's going on. I pray for the greatness of your power to be realized in our lives, that you would strengthen every person listening today, every believer listening today, strengthen them in their inner person, God. Help them, give them what they need to get through this time of crisis to get through that conflict, to get to overcome that temptation. In Jesus' name, help us to adjust our focus from what we are facing in the physical and to look into the spiritual, to see you, Lord, like you want us to see you, to see your plan, to see your purpose, and to gain insight and strength from you that we can find nowhere else. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey guys, I love you. Thank you again for tuning in this this morning or this day, wherever you find yourself. Please feel free to reach out to me uh, via email, mike at cornerstoneparker.org. We can set up a time to to Zoom meeting or to chat with Google Hangouts. Uh, Email me any questions you might have. I look forward to following up with some uh, scripture and devotionals later this week uh, on some other topics uh, that come up in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter one. So God bless you. Have a tremendous rest of your day. I love you guys. Bye-bye. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that his truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.